Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Welcome, friend. Follow me. We're going somewhere dark, somewhere dangerous. Most people would never dare enter the place we are going. There's no telling what horrors we'll find, what terrors we'll uncover. Don't say I didn't warn you. We might discover terrible monsters lurking there. Be careful, they could follow you out. Or maybe they're already inside you. Are you afraid? Good. Now you are ready to enter the Warning Woods. Robin never expected a demon box to come with a DC power adapter. All right, plug it in. Open the doors of hell into our baby's bedroom, her husband Mark said, raising his hands into the sky and tossing his head back in delirium. Okay, Mr. De Niro, you can have your Oscar. Now will you quiet down in case it gives me instructions or something? You think it'll start talking right away? Mark asked. Robin said, I don't know, it's not like I've done this before. I don't want to mess it up and have to start all over. Robin didn't seem to appreciate Mark's humor any more than he appreciated her bringing the demon box into their home, into their baby's bedroom. Felix was currently sleeping soundly in the bassinet in their bedroom, but soon they would try moving him to the crib. They had procrastinated on finishing the boy's room, but when he started sleeping soundly through the night, they mutually decided the time had come to get the room ready. The demon box had been Robin's idea, and Mark had initially wanted no part of it. Now he was obnoxiously involved in setting up the box, although he never said exactly why his position had shifted. Perhaps he couldn't really explain it himself. Maybe something about the box, its timeless design, its immaculate packaging, had stirred an irresistible attraction in him. Robin bent down toward the outlet, turned one ear toward the box, and plugged it in. Hi, I'm Trixie. Welcome to your new home. Please wait while I locate any devices I can pair with, said the box. See what I tell you, Mark gloated. Demon box. It's already trying to take over our house. For God's sake, Mark, its name is Trixie for crying out loud. How bad can Trixie be? Mark looked nervously over his shoulder and said, I knew a Trixie in high school you wouldn't have caught me dead with- Mark, shut up, Robin scolded. It's talking again. No devices found. To manually pair- Phew, we're saved, sighed Mark. Robin cried, Come on, Mark, you made me miss the instructions. She searched the top of the smart speaker for a pair of backwards triangles or a looping arrow, some symbol for go back or restart. With an exasperated sigh, she gave up and fell onto her butt. She palmed her forehead and lightly shook her head as the rest of the lost message played out. 
See, this thing's been plugged in for 30 seconds and it's already stressing you out, Mark said. You're stressing me out, Robin snapped. I wonder what secrets it's already sucked out of us, huh? It's probably downloaded every hard drive. Mark! Out! Robin demanded. Her finger almost poked him between the legs as she twisted around to point at the door. I tried to warn you, babe. Those smart speakers are marketed like they're personal assistants, but they're really designed to... Robin reached and stretched and pushed the bedroom door shut. She had already heard Mark's arguments against owning a smart speaker half a dozen times. They listen even when you're not using them, was one of his favorites. Don't believe me? He would ask. Then how does it hear you when you say its name? He thought the companies which made them only used them to harvest data and target you with ads. Robin had told him that sounded great. She was sick of getting ads for hamster pellets when her hamster had been dead for six months. From Mark's perspective, targeted advertising may as well have been robbery. Robin had finally convinced Mark to let her buy Trixie after sending him a video from a mommy blogger on Instagram. The video showed this perfect mother soothing her child with lullabies on demand, educating her with simple games for children of all ages. Robin had argued that Trixie would help her make her grocery list while nursing Felix. All she would have to do is tell Trixie to add the items to her list. She could also order things online with just a few words. Trixie, order AA batteries. Or, Trixie, order a bottle of my shampoo. Trixie already had their credit card number, and she knew which brands they had ordered in the past. Why not let her take care of the orders and give Robin a few extra seconds to do something else? Those seconds added up. Any new parent can tell you, those seconds, especially if you happen to have your hands free, are precious. No sooner had Mark walked out of earshot than Felix began crying in the next room. Robin went to him. Felix fell back asleep in her arms, and even though Robin knew his nap's epilogue would be short, she felt grateful for it. While carrying sleeping Felix into his new bedroom around the corner, Robin's ears perked up. There was a voice coming from Felix's room, and it didn't sound like Trixie's. This one still belonged to a woman, but it sounded sweeter and less robotic. It was singing a gentle lullaby. Mama's gonna buy you a mockingbird. Robin recoiled upon recognition of the dark old song. The grandmotherly voice which sang it reminded her a bit of her own grandma. This might have been soothing if Robin had asked Trixie to play the song instead of her doing it on her own. Had her microphone detected Felix's cries? Robin supposed she could see the benefit in such a feature if she had programmed Trixie to respond that way. But the way Trixie had self-elected to sing her child back to sleep creeped her out. Mark's warnings crept in, prodding at the edges of her thoughts, but she banished them. Thousands of people had these smart speakers in their homes. How bad could they really be? In fact, it was probably Mark's fault the thing was going off on its own. He had probably caused her to miss some crucial setup step which would have prevented, or at least explained, the speaker's unwelcome behavior. Trixie, stop singing. A blue light lit up on top of Trixie, then pulsed. The speaker said, Sorry, I don't understand. Whatever, Robin muttered. The singing stopped, that's all that mattered. She lowered herself and Felix to the floor in front of the speaker, then laid her son on her crossed legs. Twisting her nose into the shape of curiosity, she said, Trixie, restart setup. The blue light pulsed again, and the speaker said, Hi, I'm Trixie. Welcome to your new home. Please wait while I locate any devices I can pair with. 
Without Mark's intrusive commentary, Robin completed the setup without issue. She didn't hear anything about lullabies sung by grandmas, though. Over the next month, Robin and Mark finished Felix's room and started napping him there. Felix had some trouble falling asleep in the unfamiliar environment at first, but he eventually took to it well enough. Before long, his naps extended past one hour, then two. Robin started to feel like she had free time again. Sure, she had had some before, but she didn't feel like she did. Felix's extended naps stopped Robin from feeling like every time she laid him down she had to race against time to get anything done. She especially enjoyed the weekends, when Mark was home, because if she was preoccupied or not home when Felix eventually woke up, Mark could handle him for a little while still. Although he was a goof, Mark was a good father and a pretty decent husband. He would have loved to give Robin more time to herself, but Felix was still in those early days of babyhood in which he needed near-constant contact with his mother. Mark, in those days, was merely a bonus parent for Felix to play with when he felt like it. On Saturday afternoon, Robin laid Felix down for his nap and told Mark she was going thrifting. She bought all of Felix's clothes secondhand. She could not understand why anyone would purchase brand new clothes for a baby that's just going to spit up and poop all over them, but she was glad some people did, so she could snatch the clothes up at bargain prices when they were done with them. She hit up her usual round of stores, Goodwill, Salvation Army, and a local consignment store called Hammy Downs. Their logo was a smiling cartoon piggy bank. Salvation Army was awash, but Robin found some shoes at Goodwill, and a nice fall wardrobe expansion for Felix at Hammy Downs. She had been gone for a little over two hours, but since Mark was home, she stopped for a frappe on the way home. She nearly spat some of it out as she turned the corner onto their street. In their driveway, where Robin usually parked, was a police car. Robin stomped the gas, zoomed up the street, and almost skidded into the driveway next to the cruiser. Leaving her bags of clothes and her coffee behind, Robin ran up to the front door. She rushed into the house and nearly collided with the cop standing in the entryway. He shouted, Freeze! And his hand hovered over his pistol. Robin stopped. Ryan? What the hell are you doing here? She asked. Her heart was still fluttering rapidly in her heaving chest but it had started to decelerate at the sight of her husband's old friend. She hadn't even considered the car in the driveway might be Ryan's. Come to think of it, she should have known a cop wouldn't park in their driveway like that. Mark said, Jeez, man, I thought you were really going to pull your gun for a second there. He was holding Felix, who was already stretching out his arms for Mama. Ryan laughed. Robin reached past Officer Ryan to take her son. She told Mark to go get her bags, adding as he disappeared through the front door, Don't spill my coffee. Has that jerk been treating you all right? Ryan asked. You know we have shelter programs for... Ryan, Robin scolded. You shouldn't joke about that stuff. I know, Ryan apologized. Just the old gallows humor acting up again. What brings you by? Robin asked as she bounced Felix in her arms, occasionally booping his nose. Uh, Mark just asked me to check something out. Ryan said. On cue, Mark walked back through the door with bags on both arms and Robin's coffee in hand. A little louder, Ryan said. You know, he's just a little bit scared and needed a big strong man to tell him he's safe. Whatever, Play-Doh brain, Mark grunted as he relieved himself of the bags. The nickname harkened back to when Mark and Ryan were in preschool together. 
Apparently, Mark had convinced Ryan his brains were spilling out of his ears by dropping the occasional Play-Doh noodle in front of Ryan whenever he was sitting down. Well, I'll let you two get back to parenting or whatever, Ryan said, clamping a hand down on Mark's shoulder a bit harder than necessary. Feel free to call me again. My phone's on silent. Get out of here, Mark said, miming a kick. Ryan pretended to duck for cover as he retreated out the door. Mark? Robin asked suspiciously. He replied, Yeah, yeah, I'll explain. Your demon box was acting up during Felix's nap. So you called the cops? I called Ryan. That barely counts. But you called him because he's a cop, right? Robin raised an eyebrow. Okay, yeah, I got freaked out, alright? You would have been too. It was talking to Felix with this, like, elderly woman's voice. Actually, it sort of sounded like it was singing. Did it wake him up? Robin asked. No, I think he was already awake, but that's not the point. I've heard these stories about people whose smart speakers and, like, baby monitors and stuff got hacked. These hackers mess with the kids and stuff. They can basically use the devices like walkie-talkies. Why would anyone want to hack into our speaker to talk to our four-month-old? Robin asked skeptically. How would I know? I'm not a creep, Mark retorted. Anyway, I just thought I'd have Ryan come check it out and see if he had heard of anything like that happening around here. And had he? Mark looked down and answered, No. But then he looked up and said, You didn't hear it, Robin. It was pretty freaky. Robin suddenly remembered the day she had plugged Trixie in and the lullaby she sang in that grandmotherly voice. She decided to let Mark off the hook and didn't pester him any further. Sunday and Monday passed by normally. By Tuesday, Robin had forgotten all about the voice Mark had heard coming through Trixie. On Wednesday, she put Felix down for his afternoon nap without giving a single thought to the smart speaker. The baby fell asleep without any trouble. Robin chose a podcast to keep her company while she cleaned the bathroom. A good interview or trip into history always distracted her from whatever mundane task she had to complete. After only an hour... Robin heard Felix cooing. She paused her podcast, removed her rubber gloves, and left the nearly immaculate bathroom in a frustrated huff. From the hallway, she heard the faint traces of another voice coming through Felix's door. All she could hear were the high hisses of S's and T's. Robin hurried down the hall and pushed open her son's bedroom door. The singing voice stopped on the word, ring. As the door swung inward, Robin thought she saw something tall and dark move with it, as if tethered to the door's shadow. But when she looked around the door, its shadow was all she saw. The voice she thought she had heard had gone silent. She supposed she might have imagined it, might have been influenced by Mark's story from Saturday afternoon, but she hadn't been thinking about that at all. Felix was indeed awake, and his bright eyes told Robin nap time was over. The faintest edges of a smile dimpled his cheeks the way they did whenever he looked at Robin, but he wasn't looking at her now. He was staring up at the ceiling. The boy stretched one hand up in the air where he was looking, as if reaching for something he desperately wanted. Robin had only ever seen him reach for her that way. She hurriedly scooped him up. His gaze remained fixed on that spot on the ceiling while she carried him away from the crib. Trixie said, Goodbye and Robin stopped again in the doorway. She tried to decide. Was that Trixie's voice? She honestly couldn't tell. The word had been spoken so briefly. It might have been Trixie, 
it might not. That night, Robin stayed up long after Mark had gone to sleep. General wisdom says young mothers should sleep whenever they can, but Robin's mind was too busy to even dream about sleep. She sat on the floor next to their bed, with her laptop open on her thighs. She searched online for the types of stories Mark had told her, stories about people hacking into home devices. It seemed this phenomenon was mostly relegated to baby monitors, not smart speakers. Although it was apparently possible, it didn't seem very common. And in most cases, the perpetrator was a man either intent on securing a ransom to leave the targeted family alone, or fulfilling some disturbing, voyeuristic impulse. Robin could not find one case in which a sweet old woman hacked into a device to sing lullabies. She finally gave up, closed the laptop, and slipped into bed next to Mark. As she closed her eyes, she sensed something near her. She opened her eyes twice, only to find the narrow space beside the bed as empty as it should be. Still, Robin felt that electromagnetic buzz in the hairs of her forearm like someone standing too close. The third time she closed her eyes, she was ungratefully reminded of the faint movement she thought she had seen when opening Felix's door that afternoon. This reimagined image preceded another fully fabricated one. This image, more of an idea really, was of a dark, skeletal shape with wispy shadow hairs flowing behind it, standing beside Felix's crib while he slept. Robin picked up the baby monitor, thankful they had sprung for the fancy one with a video screen. She looked into Felix's room and breathed an easy sigh when she saw it empty, save for the sleeping baby. His Finding Nemo nightlight cast long shadows across the room, but otherwise, it looked almost cheery, even in the dark. Robin set the monitor aside, but when she turned over to sleep, her mind would not shed the sinister image it had conjured. It was silly to think she would ever fall asleep with that haunting apparition looming in her imagination, and she didn't want to think of what it would do to her nightmares. She picked up her pillow and the spare blanket from the foot of the bed, and took them down the hall into Felix's room to sleep there. As she rocked back and forth in the rocking chair, with her pillow behind her head, Robin finally drifted off without another thought given to the shadowy skeleton. Hush, little baby, don't say a word. Mama's gonna buy you a mockingbird. Robin stirred in the rocking chair. And if that mockingbird won't sing, Mama's gonna buy you a diamond ring. The fog of sleep clouded her mind, and she fought the urge to open her eyes. She was so tired it hurt. Her brain felt like it had been marinated in bourbon, even though Robin hadn't had a drink since before she got pregnant. And if that diamond ring turns to brass, Mama's gonna buy you a looking glass. Slowly the fog lifted. Robin became aware of a sharp pain in her neck, which rested at an awkward angle against her pillow. This ache was too present to be dreamt, and that meant the lullaby she was hearing. Robin's eyes snapped open. Across the room, illuminated by the Finding Nemo nightlight, someone was leaning over Felix's crib. She was dressed in loose clothes that were either black or dark blue. Her wavy hair was tied back in a ponytail, which hung down over her shoulder, hiding her face. Robin tried to scream, but it felt like all the air had been sucked out of her, 
She tried to inhale, but her diaphragm was paralyzed. Instead, she rocked herself forward, stumbling out of the chair with her arms outstretched, hands clawing to pull the stranger away from her child. The woman turned her head slightly, just enough for Robin to see the tip of her nose. Robin grabbed at the woman's clothes, but when her fingers closed, they closed around nothing. Robin's clenched hands collided with the side of Felix's crib. Her knuckles immediately began to throb. Her palms protested against her sharp nails. The woman had vanished, as if she was never there at all. Robin's diaphragm finally relaxed and she swallowed a huge breath. Lungs full, she screamed for Mark. Despite the surely wild and terrified expression on Robin's face, despite her desperate screaming, Felix smiled up at her. He reached his tiny hands toward hers. Robin was afraid to pick him up. Her hands were trembling. She couldn't feel her legs. She only stayed upright by clutching the crib. Mark burst into the room and nearly collided with the crib himself. He did a quick scan, saw his wife and child were safe, and put his hands on Robin's shoulders. What is it? What happened? He asked. There was someone else in here, Robin said. She sounded like she didn't believe herself. And did she? She wasn't sure. She had woken up from a deep sleep. Her head was still throbbing like she had a hangover. Had the apparition been a blend of a subconscious dream and her waking reality? Had she also dreamt the lullaby coming from... from... Robin broke away from Mark's touch and ripped Trixie's cord out of the wall. She stared at the speaker, as if expecting it to react somehow. To resist. Mark checked the window, and when he was sure it was locked, he grabbed Robin again. He gently pushed her aside so he could get to Felix's crib, then picked their child up. With Felix in one arm, Mark wrapped his other around Robin's back and drew her in. Holding his whole family in his arms made him feel confident and secure, like he could handle anything. Robin, what's going on? Were you sleeping in here? He asked, with his forehead pressed against the top of Robin's. I got freaked out reading stuff online, she replied. This was half true. It hadn't been the stories she read which had scared her, but she didn't feel like discussing the scary images which had plagued her sleepless mind. I came in here just to be close to Felix so I could sleep. A couple minutes ago, I sort of woke halfway up and heard somebody singing. Wait, Mark interrupted. Was it that old lullaby about the bird? Hush, little baby, yeah. Robin felt Mark's arm squeeze her closer. She waited for him to say more, but he didn't, so she continued. I opened my eyes and there was a woman here. She was standing over Felix like she was going to pick him up. I tried to stop her and, and, she disappeared. For a minute, the only voice in the room was Felix's soft cooing. Robin wanted her husband to say something comforting, even if it was just some placating cliché. His voluminous silence worried her. Mark usually wasn't someone to choose his words too carefully. Finally, he said, Sounds like maybe you could have been, like, halfway asleep when you saw that lady. Maybe, Robin replied. But the lullaby thing is weird. What? Robin pushed lightly against Mark's chest, separating from him. Why? I mean, I know why, but why would you say that? I mean, it's probably just some kind of glitch, but I've heard it doing that too. Remember a few days ago when Ryan came by? Mark asked. Of course, Robin remembered. She nodded. 
I wasn't paying that close attention to what the speaker was saying to Felix that day because I was mostly concerned that it was talking at all. But I do remember when I walked into the room, it had started singing that lullaby. The same one? You're sure? Robin asked. Yeah, same one. I remember because it always made me super sad when I was a kid. Mark carried Felix into their bedroom, and Robin wheeled the bassinet over to the foot of the bed where it had been before they put Felix in his own room. She nursed the baby for a few minutes, and when he fell back asleep, she laid him in the bassinet. Mark coaxed her down next to him. He fell asleep with his hand over hers. Robin did not fall asleep again that night. The next morning, after Mark had left for work, Robin plugged Trixie back in. She wanted to see what would happen. Now that sunlight filled the house and birds were chirping outside, she felt more confident. The house felt like it belonged to her again, not the shadows. Good morning, how can I help? Trixie asked in her semi-robotic voice. Robin thought for a moment, then said, Trixie, sing Hush Little Baby. She glanced over at Felix, who was laying on his back playing with a smiling toy beside her. She was ready to grab him and retreat if anything strange happened, but with warm, golden rays radiating her cheeks through the window, that seemed like such a distant possibility. Trixie's light flashed a couple of times, then she said, Singing, Hush Little Baby, Mockingbird. A soothing female voice began to sing the song in a high, fluty tone. It sounded beautiful and entirely unlike the haunting rendition which had played the night before. If this was the version Trixie automatically played upon request, where was the other version coming from? Felix coughed, making Robin look at him again. Over the last day or so, she had noticed him coughing slightly more than usual, but this one sounded particularly harsh. She picked him up and put him against her shoulder to pat his back and try to dislodge any mucus trapped in his throat. Felix entwined his warm little fingers in her hair, and she smiled at him. His eyes looked a little glassy, but he smiled back. You look sleepy already, Robin crooned. She ran her own fingers across the peach fuzz on top of Felix's head. The tip of her middle finger touched something which, in contrast to Felix's warm scalp, felt ice cold. Robin flinched and examined Felix's soft head. There was nothing else there besides a cluster of faint freckles. Robin shifted Felix over to her other shoulder and held him tightly as she slid backward across the carpet until her back hit the crib. Where are you? She demanded, remembering the overnight apparition. It had never fully left her mind, but now it was back at the forefront. She focused on the phantom sensation of brushing against that cold thing and couldn't shake the idea that it had been someone or something else's hand also caressing her child. She yelled, Leave us alone! Then, using the crib to brace against, Robin stood and ran Felix out of the room. For the rest of the day, whenever she looked down the hall into her son's bedroom, Robin felt like someone was patiently waiting in there. She started to wonder at what point it would be irresponsible for her to stay in the house. What if there was something else inside with them, be it a person or spirit? And what if it was dangerous? Then a thought, perhaps the only possibility more terrible than some paranormal intruder crossed Robin's mind. What if she was the danger? What if she was losing her mind? Robin survived the day by taking Felix outside frequently. When he napped, she laid him down in the bassinet instead of his crib, 
and she laid horizontally on her bed beside him. She didn't intend to fall asleep, but her restless night caught up to her before long. She was awakened an hour and a half later by a hoarse cough. It sounded like a lawnmower failing to start. She sat up when she heard another, equally frightening cough. She scooped Felix up after he coughed a third time, then started to panic at the fourth. Each cough sounded equally deep and gravelly. She patted his back and cooed in his ear until the fit passed. Robin chastised herself for falling asleep. She tried not to think about what could have happened while she was passed out. She convinced Mark to let Felix sleep in their room that night, too. It took little effort. Mark didn't buy the paranormal angle, but he could clearly see that his wife needed decent sleep and that putting Felix to bed in their room would help her get it. He's been coughing all day, Robin whispered after she laid Felix in his bassinet. Should we be worried? Listen, Mark said. He put a finger to his lips and leaned over their son. Robin copied him. Mark whispered, His breathing sounds okay. I think he'll be alright. He straightened up. I think I'll stay up for a while. Why don't you get some sleep? Will you wake me up if anything changes? Robin asked. Mark smiled and stroked her hair. He pulled her head to his chest and said, Of course. Not two minutes later, Robin was snoring. Before going to sleep, Mark went throughout the house checking the locks on each door and window. While he still believed Robin had dreamt the woman in Felix's room into existence, he didn't think it could hurt to be sure their home was secure. He noticed Robin had plugged Trixie back in. He hurriedly unplugged her, it, before any creepy lullabies started playing like a horror movie soundtrack. He couldn't believe he had just thought of the speaker as a her. That's how they get you, he thought. After completing his rounds, Mark laid down next to Robin in bed. Thankfully, she had stopped snoring, and now her chest rose and fell peacefully at a slow tempo. He fell asleep to the sound of her breath, whistling in and humming out of her nose. Something caused Mark to stir an undetermined amount of time later. His eyelids still felt heavy, and he knew if he kept them shut he could be back asleep in seconds. He slowly realized it had been the bedroom door that awakened him. He could hear it, creaking open, squealing on hinges he kept forgetting to oil. Robin must be going to the bathroom, he thought. But then he heard his wife's whistling breath beside him. At the same moment, the bedroom door slammed shut. Robin screamed and jerked awake. Mark stifled his own cry as he rolled over and opened his eyes. Mark! Mark! Robin shouted. She was pointing at something at the foot of the bed. Mark's eyes weren't adjusting to the darkness. He couldn't see his own hands, let alone whatever Robin saw. Leave him alone! Robin screamed. Mark squinted, and then, yes, he could see in the faint ambient light the outline of a person wearing dark clothes standing at the foot of the bed. A woman, he thought. She was rocking the bassinet. He could hear it knocking against the foot of the bed. Get away! Mark growled as he launched himself toward the woman. Robin crawled across the bed. Both of them reached the bassinet at the same time. The figure popped like a silent balloon. Mark stopped the bassinet from rocking. Oh my god, Mark. He's not breathing, Robin cried. What? Mark asked in total disbelief. He tried to lean in to listen to his son, but Robin scooped the boy into her arms. Come on, Felix. Come on. Breathe for Mama. Please, Felix. Breathe for Mama. Please. 
I'll call 911, Mark said. He started looking around for his phone. He knew it was on the side table where he always put it, but he was still having trouble seeing in the dark. Robin held Felix against her shoulder, patting his back as she bounced on the mattress. Mark's phone screen lit up on its own, the way it would do if giving a notification, but Mark saw no such notification on the screen when he picked the phone up. He was about to dial the emergency number when Robin shouted, Wait! Mark heard his baby boy cough, the most joyous sound he had ever heard or thought he would ever hear again. He dropped his phone and vaulted over the bed to sit beside Robin. Felix coughed again. The thick glob of phlegm which had blocked Felix's airway splattered on Robin's bare shoulder and dripped down her arm. She continued patting his back and whispering sweetness into his ear. In the horrible moments in which they thought they had lost their child, they had both forgotten the figure at the foot of the bed and the slamming door which had awakened them. But now that Felix seemed okay, Mark's mind resurrected that sounded image. Whatever's here with us did that, he said, mostly to himself, but loud enough for Robin to hear. She did not immediately respond. Mark said, Babe, I think we need to get out of here. Obviously, Robin replied, as if Mark was stupid. We need to take him to the ER, Mark. He wasn't breathing a minute ago. Maybe I am stupid, Mark thought. The hospital was not what he had originally had in mind. He was just thinking of a hotel. But of course, the hospital was where they needed to go. I'll get his bag ready, Mark said. He hesitantly left the two of them alone to gather Felix's things. Mark must have turned on every light in the house to find Felix's bottles, diapers, wipes, and all the other little things they might need if they had to stay overnight at the hospital. He didn't turn any lights off when he left each room, preferring the artificial light to the natural darkness and the unnatural secrets it might be hiding. He almost ran into Robin when she carried Felix out of the bedroom. Felix woke up when they strapped him into his car seat, but his piercing cries sounded beautiful to his parents that night as they drove him to the emergency room. They were the sounds of life. At the hospital, they were quickly seen by a doctor who confirmed Felix had caught RSV, a respiratory virus which could certainly be deadly for a child his age. It's a miracle you woke up, the doctor told them. Must have been that parental instinct or something, huh? Or something, Mark replied. Felix was put into intensive care for the rest of the night. Mark told Robin that, if she was okay with it, he wanted to go home and check out the house now that he had calmed down. Robin said he should go. There was nothing more he could do at the hospital anyway, and Robin thought she would feel better knowing their home was safe. Her only issue with Mark leaving was him being alone in the house with the apparition. She had clearly seen the woman, the same woman from the night before, standing over the bassinet. She'd had the same dark baggy clothes, the same wavy hair. Robin wanted to call the woman a ghost, but she never would have guessed a ghost would be so opaque, so lifelike. Assuaging her anxiety for Mark's well-being, Mark said he might call Ryan the cop to see if he would look through the house with him. Robin told him he should definitely call Ryan. They said goodbye, and Mark left. Boredom struck instantly. Robin found herself in a hospital room, alone, with nothing to do. She tried flipping through channels on the small TV mounted in the corner, but the remote either didn't work right or she just couldn't figure it out. She scrolled through Instagram until her eyes fluttered shut. Robin opened them, surprised and yet not at how exhausted she felt all of the sudden. She thought a nap would be appropriate, 
but she knew she wouldn't rest well until she had an update on Felix. Their nurse hadn't given her one for a couple of hours. She supposed that probably meant Felix was fine, but she wanted to be sure. Excuse me, Robin approached the nurse's station cautiously. She didn't know why, but she always felt like she was somewhere she shouldn't be whenever she was at a hospital. What can I do for you? asked a fierce-looking blonde nurse from behind her computer. She had gently authoritative eyes that didn't help Robin's nerves but made her feel secure. I'm Robin Emmons. My son Felix is in the ICU. A different nurse, a brown-haired man in his twenties, looked up from his clipboard and said, I was just on my way there, actually. You want to sit tight and I'll let you know how he is? Robin said, That would be wonderful. Thank you. Here, have a seat, the blonde nurse said. She pushed a rolling chair out around the desk into the middle of the hallway. Oh, thanks, Robin said. She rolled the chair back against the wall and sat down. The nurse went back to work, and Robin scanned the collage of artwork and photography decorating the walls on either side of the nurse's station. Most of the pictures were of wildlife and landscapes, and all had been done and donated by locals, according to the small placards beneath them. Robin's eyes stopped on a photo which didn't match the rest. It was a vertical headshot of a woman with wavy, white hair. She was smiling into the camera in front of a plain, gray background. The photo looked like something taken by the DMV, or maybe for a work ID. The headshot looked quite odd and very out of place amongst the beautiful landscapes surrounding it. Robin could almost place the woman's face, but as close as it felt, it seemed equally far away. Robin felt like she should remember who the woman was, but that if she tried too hard to remember, she would only push the memory further away. Um, sorry, Robin said to the blonde nurse. I know you're probably busy, but could I ask who that is? The nurse looked up at Robin. She saw the direction of Robin's gaze and knew who she was talking about. That's Judy. Judy, Robin repeated. Is she famous or something? She's just so familiar and I can't figure out why. This question made the lovingly stern nurse break character. Her smile crinkled the corners of her eyes just before she regained control and returned to her neutral expression. Judy would have been just as happy if nobody who worked here even knew her name, the nurse said. Then she asked, Was your baby born here? Robin said he was. The nurse said, And he's, what, four months? Yeah, that lines up. Judy worked up on the birthing floor. I bet she took care of you once or twice. Oh, I feel so bad I don't remember her better, Robin groaned. I remember how sweet and helpful everyone was, but I couldn't tell you any of their names to save my life. Don't worry about it, the nurse said, smiling again. I pass people in the grocery store all the time whose life I helped save from this or that, and very few of them even give me a glance. If you're here, you've usually got something big going on. We try not to take it personally that most people don't remember us. So, why is Judy's picture up on the wall? Robin asked. Is she... She trailed off and showed a somber expression. The nurse's smile faded entirely, and she returned her gaze to her computer. She had an aneurysm in the elevator on her way back from lunch one day. Totally random. It's sort of ironic, in a sad way, because Judy had this gift. Everybody knew about it. That's why her picture is probably somewhere on every floor. She was like our saint. Judy just seemed to know that somebody was going to get sick. 
If she told one of us to start taking vitamin C or whatever else, we listened. If a family came in with somebody who got hurt, Judy could sense that one of them had cancer or a dangerous blood clot. It was the craziest thing, and it freaked people out sometimes. But I honestly don't remember hearing about a time she was ever wrong. Robin, wondering where the other nurse was and why he was taking so long to come back, said, Wow, I guess she picked the right field then, huh? Too bad she wasn't around to tell us about... She choked on the rest of the sentence. Instead of finishing, she asked, Do you happen to know when she died? Like, the date? Uh, not off the top of my head, but somebody taped an article over... The nurse swiveled her chair over to one of the other stations. Ah, right here. I bet it says... Your son is stable and showing slight improvement in his breathing since we last checked, the other nurse said, appearing from nowhere. Oh, thank you, Robin said, dazed. She had almost forgotten about her child, as horrible as that sounds. Nurse Judy dominated her mind now. The nurse read the date from a newspaper clipping in her hand. July 6th, this year. Oh my god, Robin said. That's Felix's birthday. She died while we were here. Well, I guess that explains why you didn't really remember her, the nurse offered. Robin said, Yeah, yeah. Well, nice talking to you, and thank you for the update. She hurried back to her room to call Mark. He picked up on the first ring. Hey, how's Felix? Any update? Mark's thoughts were apparently closer to their son than Robin's. He's okay, I just checked. Hey, is Ryan there? She asked. No, he couldn't make it. Okay, good. Can you do me a favor and go into Felix's room? Mark said he would, and a moment later, he told Robin he was standing next to the crib. Put me on speaker, Robin said, and don't judge me for this. Mark sounded hesitant, but he did as she asked. Robin listened to her room's door for a second to make sure no one was approaching, then stepped as far from the door as she could and spoke into the phone. Judy, I understand now. I know what you did for us. I know what you did for Felix. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're a miracle. Robin found herself near tears and went quiet. She listened for a response, but the other end of the line was silent. Mark? She asked. Yeah? He replied. Sorry, that was probably- Oh! Mark cut her short with an abrupt exclamation. He asked, What the hell did you just do, babe? I don't know. What happened? Robin asked. Make this a video call, Mark replied. She could hear him breathing hard and the swish of his clothes as he briskly traversed the house. Robin did as he asked and hit the video button. She was looking up at Mark's chin when his camera turned on. He lifted his phone to his face and said, Look at this. He flipped the camera around to show Robin their front door swung wide open. The screen door was still vibrating, indicating it had closed only seconds before. This was shut and locked. Believe me, I like triple-checked. Robin said nothing. Babe, talk to me. You just went nutso on the phone and made our front door open on its own. Not on its own, Robin finally said. She sounded dreamy. It was Judy. She's gone, Mark. She's going to leave us alone. What are you talking about? Robin, are there any nurses nearby? Are you okay? Robin burst into a wide smile and tears, joyful tears sprung into her eyes. I'm fine, Mark. Really, I am. I'd love to believe that, but Robin... And I think Felix will be too, Robin said. In fact, she thought of Nurse Judy smiling in that picture down the hall 
Nurse Judy, the saint with the ability to sense fatal illnesses, and said, I know he will be. You made it out. Congratulations. If you enjoyed the story, please rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen. Reviews are the best way to support the podcast and help it grow. If you want more creepy content, follow me on Instagram at The Warning Woods. If you feel ready, meet me here next week for another journey into The Warning Woods. Thank you for listening. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.